0: of course the gospel is full of miraculous signs that jesus performed and so at this point in his ministry he had been doing an incredible amount of healings and exorcisms and other types of miracles so this is a group of people that really have pretty much made up their minds you know jesus is not what we're looking for and so let's put him to the test to hopefully make him look you know invalid or disingenuous so they're (coughs) excuse me they're asking him for a sign so jesus goes on to say look you know you are farmers and well the pharisees and the sadducees were not but he's speaking of that generation in particular he said you know you look you're farmers and you're fishermen so you know how to read the signs of the weather if the sky appears a certain way you know it's going to be a clear day if the sky appears another way you know it's going to be a stormy day and this is where he indicts them because he says you know how to read The face of the heavens but you don't know or you don't understand or you're not able to understand the signs of the times now what is he saying there he's
1: saying look you don't realize that i am the one that god had promised this is the beginning of the fulfillment of all of the prophets
0: and all of the Old Testament and you're missing it completely. The promised son of David, the Messiah, the branch, the seed of woman, you know all of the incredible titles that the Old Testament gives to Jesus. He's basically saying he's standing right in front of you. And you are completely missing it. God is at work. God is giving clear evidence of his work and you are missing it and then just to kind of you know put his finger in the wound he says you know the only sign that's going to be given to you is the sign of jonah and then earlier in matthew chapter 12 he says you know as jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth so basically what jesus is saying is when god is at work when god is doing something when God is giving evidence of what he's doing, don't miss it. Don't misinterpret it. Don't misunderstand it. Discern the signs of the times. Now, does that mean we're gonna know completely everything that God is up to at every moment? Absolutely not. But what it does mean is particularly as those of us who know him, And those of us who are in his word and those of us who are following him, it is absolutely our privilege as well as our responsibility to be able to understand what is going on and what God is up to. And in Matthew 24, Jesus gives an incredible summary of some of the things that we as believers should be aware of, should be looking for, should be able to understand and interpret correctly. That's the expectation that Jesus is putting on us. He's not impressed if we can predict the weather. You know, with all of the advanced doppler or whatever radar that they have to predict the weather. Cuz 2000 years ago Jesus was not impressed with that. What does impress him is when his people understand what he and the father are up to and are rightly understanding the signs that he and the father of are giving that indicate what he is up to so what we are looking at next then on this sheet that says the signs of the times are what are some of the things that jesus and in one case another passage of the new testament say are signposts are our indicators are assurances that jesus christ is coming again now again right off the bat and we'll, we'll we'll flesh it out what we are not saying is that the signs that jesus tells us to look for give us an exact precise date give us an exact precise timeline to me if that's how you are understanding the signs that jesus gives us then you are completely misunderstanding them. Jesus doesn't give them to us to give us a precise timeline, to give us an exact date, because we've already seen the day and the hour are unknown, and it will be unexpected. So that's not what the signs teach us. But one of the things the signs do teach us or show us or assure us is that Jesus is coming again. You know, maybe sometimes your faith is a little weak or you start to have doubts. Well, Jesus says, look around you. When you see these things going on, they are all assurances that I am coming again. That's a correct way to use the signs. Another is what we should expect because a lot of the signs are difficulties. Difficulties. So Jesus is saying, don't be surprised when hardship and difficulty and a lot of really nasty and negative things are taking place. These are all indications that I'm coming again. These are all indications that my kingdom is here and that my kingdom is in conflict with the kingdom of darkness. So don't be surprised. Don't be dismayed when you see these things taking place okay so what we're going to do is we're going to read through some of Matthew 24 and then we're going to go through some of the items on the sheet in front of you so would someone read Matthew 24 verses 1 and 2 let's just read the first two verses first
1: Matthew 24 verses 1 and 2 I can read it, Dave. Dave, I can read it. Flora. Thank you, Flora.
2: Okay. Matthew 24. Um, Jesus came out of the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple building to him. And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly, I say to you, not one of... Not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down.
0: Okay, so this is actually the night before, or the day before, Jesus is going to be arrested and hung on a cross. He's going to be arrested that night, the next day he's going to go to the cross. And so they're in the temple area, and the disciples are, are pretty impressed with all of the buildings that constituted Herod's temple it took herod 46 years to complete this building project so it was a pretty massive project and from a natural human perspective they were pretty impressive the buildings that constituted the temple complex but jesus is saying you know don't be impressed with this because the day is coming when temple is going to be utterly destroyed so initially what jesus is speaking about is the impending destruction of the temple and the impending destruction of Jerusalem and we know from history that this took place in 70 a.d the romans came in and destroyed the city of jerusalem and destroyed the temple and it has not been been rebuilt since then we don't know for sure what year jesus was saying this but probably in the neighborhood of 30 to 33 a.d
1: is when jesus was crucified and rose again somewhere in in that vicinity Um,
0: so about 40 plus years jesus is saying the temple is going to be destroyed okay then let's read verse
1: um three would someone read verse three for us I mean, I'll just quickly, oh, you got it, Ellie. thank you. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age?
0: Okay, so at this point, where now are Jesus and his disciples? They're on the Mount of Olives. So sometimes you will hear the phrase, the Olivet Discourse. This is the Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapters 24 and 25. Why? Because it took place on the Mount of Olives. So if you hear someone talking about the Olivet Discourse or the Olivet Sermon, this is what they're talking about, Matthew chapter 24 and 25. What is the first part of the
1: question that Jesus's disciples ask him? When will these things be? What things? The when the temple is destroyed. The destruction of the temple. Right here
0: Jesus is saying that a day is coming when no two stones are going to be left on top of each other. So now in verse 3, The first part of the question that the disciples ask is when. So the first part is when
1: will the temple, Jerusalem, be destroyed? But what's the second part of the question? The sign of your return and the end of the world
0: or the end of the age. Okay? So in a single question, the disciples are asking two different things. Probably in their mind at that point, they assumed they were the same. When Jesus was talking about the destruction of the temple, in their mind the disciples probably assumed, "Well, this is the end of the world. Once the temple in Jerusalem are destroyed, this is the end." So probably in their mind, this was a single question. But what Jesus obviously clearly understood, and now what we understand, because we're on the other side of 70 AD, is this is actually a little bit of a confused question. They're actually asking two different things. They're actually asking, when will these things be? When will Jerusalem be destroyed? And what will be the sign of your coming? Same word in the signs of the time and the end of the age so what they understand is that when jesus comes again the age ends that much they have absolutely right when jesus comes again it is the end of this age but now the response that jesus gives actually in a sense answers both of these questions and that's why matthew 24 is so challenging at times to understand Because a lot of us, as we read it, and a lot of commentators as well, have trouble discerning, is Jesus talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, or is he talking about his return in the end of the age? And you have Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Bible scholars coming up with radically different understandings of Matthew 24. So, for example, in Matthew 24, verses 29 to 31, it says, you know, you'll see the the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Some believe that is a clear depiction of Jesus Christ's return. Others believe, no, that's Jesus coming to Jerusalem in judgment in 70 AD. That's how how different the interpretation is. So we're not going to try to understand all of the nuances of Matthew 24. But... What we are going to see is that Jesus is giving his disciples in the next section, some clear signs of the times, some clear indications of what they should expect, what they should be looking for, that are ultimately assurances that he is coming again. So would someone read for us the next section, we're just going to read verses 4 to
1: two. 12, no, 4 to 14, 4 to 14. Does someone have that for us?
2: And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You'll be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Going?
0: Yeah, to 14, please.
2: But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay, so what Jesus is doing here is he is beginning to ask
0: sort of this confused sort of two-part question, and there's a lot of things that he includes in those verses, and again these are things that a lot of folks refer to as the signs of the time or signs of Christ's return, and we want to try to rightly understand them, remember from Matthew 16, Jesus indicted his unbelieving audience For being able to interpret the signs of the heavens, the signs of the natural sky, but not being able to understand what he and the Father were up to. So on the sheet that you have in front of you, this first sort of group of signs sometimes are referred to as evidences of God's grace. Evidences of God's grace. So the first sign that we want to talk about is the preaching of the gospel because we see it right there in verse 14 as Jesus is looking to the destruction of Jerusalem as Jesus is looking to his own return in the end of the age in verse 14 one of the things that he mentions is the preaching of the gospel and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come so again as moderners we think wow what an amazingly precise stopwatch that jesus gives us as soon as the gospel is preached in the whole world he's coming well i mean how do you absolutely precisely quantify that what is preaching the gospel in the whole world well it's interesting because it isn't that this jesus is being inaccurate but in colossians chapter one the apostle paul says something very similar colossians chapter one uh verse six Colossians chapter 1 verse 6, that has come to you all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Well, Paul is writing Colossians probably in about, I don't know, 50, 60 AD. What is he saying? He's saying the gospel is being preached all over the world. The gospel hadn't been preached in North America, the gospel hadn't been preached in South America, the gospel hadn't been preached in most of Asia, but Paul is not being inaccurate here. Paul is speaking of the world that he knew. Paul is speaking of the world of the Roman Empire. The gospel is being preached in all of the world. Jumping down to verse 23, uh, verse 23, it says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel this is the gospel that you heard and that
1: has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven to every creature under heaven the gospel had been
0: proclaimed when Paul was writing his letter to the Colossians about 60 or 65 AD probably so in other words when we hear a phrase like this the gospel will be preached in the whole world and then the end will come we think in very modern very precise terms if we just preach the gospel to every unreached people group as we as modern folks define people groups there are mission organizations that are trying to preach the gospel to every unreached people group that's wonderful praise god but is that a clear precise understanding of, of verse 14 no Only God knows when the gospel has been preached in the whole world, in the sense that Jesus meant it here. What Jesus is saying is accurate, but it's not precise. If the Apostle Paul twice in Colossians chapter 1 could say, hey, the gospel has been preached to every creature under heaven. The gospel has been preached in the whole world and wasn't lying or deceived or confused, but it actually had. The gospel had been preached throughout the entire Roman Empire. Throughout the entire Roman world, the gospel had been preached then we cannot use verse 14 of Matthew 24 to give a precise time. What we see here is that this is what will take place as we await the return of Christ. What is one of the signs of the time? The gospel is going to be preached. It's going to continue. It's going to advance. It's going to penetrate. It's going to go into every corner of his creation. Now, when is that task complete? only god knows jesus didn't say this to us to give us a precise time jesus said this to us to encourage us that one of the absolute clearest evidences that jesus is coming again is the relentless advance of the gospel and in fact jesus says this is normal if you look at the end of the gospel of matthew it's a passage we all know by well go into all the world and preach my gospel teaching them and i will be with you even to the end of the age so jesus is absolutely saying something that's so key the preaching of the gospel is something that's going to be taking place in the entirety of the new testament age and what we are going to see is that with all of these signs that's the appropriate way to understand them The gospel was preached when Jesus came into this world and it has been preached ever since and it will continue to be preached until he comes again. It's one of the hallmarks of the New Testament age, the advance of the gospel. And it's not for our precise modern calculation of when has the gospel been preached to every or to the whole world. That's not how this is to be understood. It is to be understood as that relentless, Advance of the gospel. And praise God for all of the missionaries and all of the mission organizations that are doing everything they can to reach every people group, to reach every linguistic group, to reach every tribal group, culture group, ethnic group. Praise God for that. Because all that shows is that what Jesus says is happening. All that does is verify the absolute truthfulness of what Jesus says, which is the gospel. Will go forth. And when the preaching of the gospel is done, what's going to happen? Jesus is going to come. So until Jesus comes, preaching of the gospel is not done. So this is actually not the emphasis that he's making here. But if you flip it, it's like what Simo was saying earlier this is motivation to preach the gospel. Jesus hasn't come yet. Well, I need to keep preaching the gospel because when the gospel is done being preached, Jesus has come that's when he will come so we need to understand that this is one of the things that marks the new testament era it's one of the signs that jesus gave to his disciples to assure them that he is coming again and it's one of the activities we need to be participating in until he comes again okay there's a second one that's connected to this that's found in romans This is the only one on the list that's not really mentioned in the verses that we looked at in Matthew 24. This comes from Romans 11, verses 25 to 26a. We're going to cut it off a little early. And this is just, again, because this is something that comes up frequently when talking about the return of Jesus Christ and signs that Scripture gives us about his return. This is close to the end of an incredibly profound and complex theological argument that paul is making in romans 9 10 and 11 basically leading up to this what he has been saying is look i know a lot of jews have rejected their messiah even though jesus is jewish a lot of jews have rejected him does that mean the gospel has failed The fact that most Jews are not believing in Jesus, does that mean the gospel has failed? He says, No, absolutely not at all. This just puts on display God's electing purposes. He said, And in fact, the hardening of the Jews and the falling away of the Jews has actually opened the door for the Gentiles to be saved. So the failure of most of the Jewish nation to accept Jesus as Messiah is not a failure of the gospel, it's not a failure. On god's part in fact it's an incredible open door
1: for non-jews all of us to accept the gospel so don't look at this as a failure
0: look at this as an incredible redemptive opportunity the hardening of the jews is opportunity for the gentiles okay would someone read for us
1: verses 25, just through the beginning of verse 26. You don't have to read all of verse 26. Well, I will not brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness, In part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be coming, and so Israel shall be saved. Okay, now these
0: are a verse and a half that are incredibly debated. I think one of the commentaries I was reading said, you know, there's like nine or ten different ways of trying to understand what paul is saying here we are we're not going to dive into all of that but the thing that that i want to emphasize here is the fullness of the gentiles
1: a phrase that paul uses in verse 25 and then all israel
0: a phrase that he uses in verse 26 now it's not at all uncommon When Paul uses a phrase like Israel, not to be specifically speaking of the Jewish nation. He oftentimes is speaking of the new Israel, which is anyone who is a follower of Christ. You know, the true sons and daughters of Abraham are not those who are actually biologically, genealogically descended from him, but those who put their trust in Christ. So oftentimes if you're reading Paul and he uses a phrase like Israel, he's not talking about the Jewish nation but in Romans 11 it seems like he is because remember the point that he was just making earlier in chapter 11 is that for the most part the Jewish nation has rejected Jesus as the Messiah that has provided the opportunity for the Gentiles to come in and if we were to read more of Romans chapter 11 it seems like he's clearly here saying that Israel here indicates ethnic Jews In contrast to Gentiles. So, the only thing that I want to emphasize here is that not only is the gospel being preached, not only is the gospel advancing as a sign of the New Testament age in which we live, as an assurance that Jesus Christ is coming, but the hardening of Israel is temporary. That's what he says here, right? That's the first part of this passage. I don't want you to be conceited. Israel is experiencing a hardening. In part until the full number of the Gentiles come in, and then all Israel will be saved. Excuse me, in that way, all Israel will be saved. So, without unpacking all of the myriad, and I can't even begin to name all the myriad understandings there is, it seems to be what Paul is understanding is that as we move towards the return of Jesus Christ, more and more Jews are going to accept Jesus. There is going to be Jewish conversion. I remember in 1989, 1990, there was a Messianic Jew who came to speak at my campus ministry who said more Jews had accepted Jesus in the 20th century than all other centuries combined. So, in 1900 years of the gospel being preached, more Jews had accepted Jesus in that final 100 years that ended in 2000 than all other 1900 years combined well again to me that's a sign of the times does that give us a precise date when jesus is returning no but what it does tell us is as the gospel is advancing more and more jews are going to receive their messiah that hardening is going to diminish and more and more of israel is going to be saved Israel, in this sense, being ethnic Jews. Okay, so these two complement each other. And these are two positive signs of what Jesus says is in part the answer to that question. Remember the twofold question? When is the destruction of Jerusalem? When is the end of the world and the sign of your
1: return? Okay any questions about these first two this makes sense okay
0: so the next cluster sometimes are referred to as evidences of opposition to god so these are a little less maybe exciting or joyful but the first one is tribulation if we look at matthew 24 9 and 10 Just looking at that again, it says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other. One of the words that Jesus uses there is tribulation. So Jesus is saying, look, one of the signs is
1: hard times. So you've heard the phrase, the great tribulation. This is a phrase that is used by some evangelicals. Jesus is
0: definitely saying, tribulation is something that you should expect, is something that marks the impending judgment of Jerusalem and ultimately my return and the end of this age. Difficulty, hardship. But what he doesn't say is that, Tribulation is unique to that final period of time just before I return. In fact, if we go a little earlier in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12, Jesus says, There, look, people are going to hate you. People are going to persecute you. When that happens, you're blessed. When that happens, rejoice. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, In this world, you will have tribulation exact same word that he uses in matthew 5 exact same word he uses in matthew 24 he uses in john chapter 16 in this world you will have tribulation you will have difficulty you will have trouble you will have hardship so one of the signs of the times is that as followers of jesus we're going to suffer we're going to have difficulty And Jesus is not saying this will only happen at that last final moment just before my return. What he is saying is that this is going to happen for the entirety of the New Testament age. He was talking to his disciples and he said, Many of you are going to be handed over
1: and persecuted and put on trial. And they were for 2,000 years. The church has suffered
0: tribulation right now on the planet today tens of thousands of members of the church of jesus christ are suffering tribulation suffering and hardship jesus said expect this <coughs> jesus said this is what is typical
1: of the entirety of the new testament age So if you hear someone talking about
0: the great tribulation or the final tribulation, sometimes they like to talk about the tribulation of the book of revelation to the point that all the tribulation that precedes that is not that significant, not that
1: important. Please. Humbly dismiss that. Jesus is saying from the get
0: go, The tribulation is going to be rough for those who experience it. I mean, 2,000 years ago when followers of Jesus were martyred, was that like, no, that's not real tribulation. 2,000 years ago when followers of Jesus were thrown in prison, no, no, that's not real tribulation. Real tribulation is coming, and fortunately we'll be raptured and gone. I mean, I love my brothers and sisters who teach that, but I really feel like they're an error when they teach that. Because what they are basically teaching is don't expect tribulation. That's just for those, you know, unfortunate folks that don't get raptured and have to be on earth for seven years during the great tribulation. Man, I mean, if you are taught that and believe that, and then you have some real suffering in your life, you're going to have a hard time holding on to your faith. From the get-go, what Jesus says, expect tribulation. Expect tribulation difficulty expect hardship it is it is absolutely a sign of the entirety of the new testament age it's also a sign that my kingdom is here and my kingdom is in conflict with the kingdom of darkness you know to quote from revelation You know, the devil knows his time is short. You know, the devil knows that Jesus is coming again. And the devil knows that when Jesus comes again, he's done. He's in the lake of fire for eternity. His rage against us is furious because he knows his time is short. So even though Jesus doesn't pull all that into this, that certainly is is clearly there. Why should we expect tribulation? Because the kingdom of God, is here the kingdom of god is relentlessly advancing the kingdom of god cannot be stopped the proclamation of the gospel cannot be silenced even hardened israel is accepting messiah in ways that they never have before that relentless advance of the gospel that relentless conversion of thousands of people is bringing a response in the kingdom of darkness so we should expect tribulation that's what jesus says not just seven years before jesus comes again not just at the end before jesus comes again but for the entirety of the period between his first coming and his second coming you see jesus is giving us clear signs but not clear signs that give us a precise dating system, not not signs that give us an absolute calendar, signs that are the trend of the entirety of the church age. It's 8.30, so we've got to end here, but you can see the other ones that we'll get into in a couple of weeks. Apostasy, antichrists, these are other things that are signs of the time, other things that show the kingdom of God is in conflict with the kingdom of darkness. Then that last category is humanity against humanity, wars and rumors of wars. Jesus says these are going to be typical for the entirety of the church age. If wars have ended, what has happened? Jesus Christ is coming in. That's when wars will end. And then natural disasters, earthquakes and famines so all of these things jesus indicates are indications signs assurances that he is coming again and we as the church better be able to read these times why has russia invaded ukraine why is that war taking place because jesus is coming again now i know we can give a a more fully you know fleshed out answer than that But ultimately, that is the answer. The reason why Russia invaded Ukraine is because Jesus is coming again. That's what Jesus says. This will typify the age that you are living in until my return. All of these things will be taking place. And again, I think the New Testament also indicates these things will be increasing as we approach the return of Jesus Christ. We talked about earlier the growth of two kingdoms. The kingdom of God is growing, but the kingdom of darkness is increasing. Evil is increasing in the world. Both are taking place. Okay, so on your own, you can reread Matthew 24. You can start to look up some of the other passages on that sheet, but we will dive into that more in two weeks. So the next time that we are meeting is Wednesday, December the 14th. Wednesday, December the 14th. Then we will take off the Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's. Okay. So let me close us with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for giving us this time together tonight. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to consider you, to consider your word, to consider your return, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just I pray for each one of us, myself included. Help us to to rightly understand the teachings that that we looked at tonight. Help us to rightly discern the signs of the times. We do not want to be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who missed it. You were were standing right in front of them and they missed it. They were experts in predicting the weather, but they had no clue what you were doing, who you were and what you and the father were up to. And so Lord, as we look at the world around us, as we see the advance of the gospel, as we see the conversion of, of, of ethnic Jews, as we experience and hear of tribulation, as we we as our hearts break, as we see apostasy, as, as we see that spirit of Antichrist at work, as we see the devastation of wars and famine and earthquakes, may we be reminded, Lord Jesus, that you spoke of all of these things. And you said all of these things would take place. And ultimately, all of these things were assurances of your return (coughs) so even in that lord may we be greatly encouraged again we thank you so much for this time together tonight pray that for those of us who are traveling you'd give us safety on our journeys home and we ask all of this jesus in your name alone amen (coughs) thank you all for being here thanks for all the comments and questions lord willing we'll see you on. December 14th.